Before we begin, we'd like to invite you to check out the Pop Culture Preservation Society on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows artists and creators to earn a recurring income by providing rewards and perks to its subscribers. When you support the PCPS on Patreon, your donation goes directly to our operational expenses and keeps us from going broke at work. And in exchange, our supporters get bonus videos of our recordings, custom retro images to download and print, invitations to Zoom events with your hosts, and more. Patreon is our only source of income, and we thank you for helping us do this job we love. To learn more, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and put Pop Culture Preservation Society into the search bar. Thanks so much, and please enjoy the show. People are always running off is what I learned. So yes. we've got- um, <laughs> Running off. Yes, they're running off. Like, thank you. And they're <laughs> heading out. Much like Gary Coleman was doing in his interview, the very end of that reads, since it was a Saturday, Gary didn't have to rush off to work, but he wasn't about to slow down either. Finishing his breakfast, it was time for Gary to get going. We thanked him and said goodbye as he ran out the door to the local <laughs> model train store. Oh, <laughs> oh, he was doing a little shopping. <laughs> Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the Big Wheel generation who got their books from Scholastic and their records from Columbia House. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be bringing you another round of dramatic readings from the most trusted news source of our generation, Dynamite Magazine. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Back in episode 22, we brought you our first episode devoted to Dynamite Magazine, the star-studded, joke-filled People Magazine knockoff for kids that we ordered through our Scholastic book orders. And just to refresh your memories, we have a collection of Dynamite Magazines from 1975 or 1976 all the way through 1981 or 82, all donated to the Pop Culture Preservation Society by a listener we refer to as our Dynamite Benefactor. Martha Kuna was visiting her childhood home when she discovered a gold mine in her attic. Six years worth of Dynamite magazines lovingly collected by little Martha when she was in elementary school and junior high school. And instead of selling them on eBay for big money, Martha called me. And the rest is history. We're so grateful to Martha for that, you guys, aren't we? I know. Oh, yeah, I know. it's the gift that never stops giving. She's I like think. doing her part for the cause. Oh, for sure, yeah. Of, of preserving the cultural nuggets of the classic Gen X childhood. Like she's one of <laughs> us, right? For sure. Well, in that last Dynamite episode, we just paged through our Dynamite magazines and shared whatever jumped out at us. Things about Land of the Lost. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, our favorite, <laughs> Shields and Yarnell. <laughs> Gosh. Why can't we let, why can't we, why can't we talk about Shields and Yarnell, you Without guys? laughing. There's, I just listened to this episode, you guys, and there's so much laughing that I almost feel sorry for the listener. It's like, it's as if somebody set up a mic at our slumber party <laughs> And it's almost like it's just the three of us. Like they're, it's a private conversation. It's not really for no. public consumption. And yet it's out there for the world <laughs> to hear. Well, and it wasn't just that we couldn't stop laughing at the ridiculousness of the things we were reading about. So much went off the rails in that episode. Listeners, if you remember, the power went out in Minneapolis and I got locked in my closet or something. Yeah, I don't right, even know. Yes, something with like your cat. I, I don't know. There was. I don't even know. There was I, I screaming just, I could, and froze <laughs> and freezing. Yes. and we thought you were miming or memeing. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yes. Like, look at Michelle. She's. Oh, then that. This is the origin of the whole mime and meme. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And Kristen being French, and I feel like I'm remembering my family passing me Ritz crackers under the door of my <laughs> office, which I don't think made it into the episode, but it was. Just, yeah, that was back when you were in your office. That's oh, the right. I was in my office. Yeah. That's right. This was way mm -hmm. at the beginning know, of the PCPS. And it's such a classic episode. I mean, it was one of my favorites that honestly, I was a little trepidatious when we said we were going to do a sequel. 
I thought there's oh. no way that we're going to be able to top the first dynamite. And I was, I was, I'm literally, I'm going into this a little bit fearful, but yet, as I did my research, I found some glorious little nuggets and I yes. thought, you know what, mm-hmm. you can never have too much dynamite. No, that's no, true. You can't. No. The nuggets are just unending. You open this little tome and it's just full of Gen X content. Well, and it just, listeners, um, if you need to know one thing, it's that after we did our sign-off, Kristen says, which we left in, you just hear her go something like, hallelujah, motherfuckers, that's that a wrap. so bad. <laughs> so, and we got one bad review based on that that one word right. that well, I uttered and we left in, and one person was, was like, so appropriately used, let oh, me tell you. So funny. Yes. It's not like we right. drop that all the time. That was such a, a profound, perfect use of... Hallelujah and motherfuckers together. (laughs) Like, that's when you're supposed to use it. We couldn't believe we'd made it to the end. Oh, God. I think most people would have edited that episode and it would have been, you know, 15 minutes of us sharing some newsy things from Dynamite. But we left it all in. We left everything in. The freezing, the technical difficulties, the getting locked out of the clawfist. I mean, it was... (laughs) It well, was, it was a, um, a way Locked for in. our listeners to learn a little bit about us too, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was great. And one of the best finds as we looked through those dynamites were the quizzes that little Martha filled out before she was our dynamite benefactor. Okay, those they were like little time capsules yeah, they were. in her <laughs> little handwriting, which was so cute. So we got to learn her favorite TV shows and songs and her thoughts and feelings. And you guys, we brought her on that show and we quizzed her. We asked her if she knew some of the answers to those questions that she answered way back in the 70s. And it was really fun to see her answers. It was Do you so guys funny. remember how she answered? Oh, my gosh. Well, the and thing- this is, if you, like, Carolyn, you always say when you were a kid, you were, like, a 40-year-old woman. If you were 40, Martha was 80. <laughs> like, all of her likes and dislikes were, like, that of an 80-year-old woman. She wanted, she really just wanted to see more Bob Hope in the pages of Dynamite mm-hmm. Magazine. And George Burns. And George Burns. Burns. And what, yeah. But what I love so much about Martha is, well, I love little Martha. That I actually love that those are the celebrities that she wanted to see more of and that she loved The Tonight Show so much. Oh, yes, she loved but, The Tonight Show. But but current Martha, remember we can't say big Martha or old right. Martha because that offends all of us. Oh, yeah, I think we settled um, on old Martha. She preferred old Martha to big Martha. She did. I'm going to say current Martha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we love current Martha so much. She's such a good friend um, to us. And I just love that. Just she's such a good sport that she just laughs her head like giggles Mm -hmm. her just she's gonna pee her pants she giggles so hard when we tell her the answers and things she said that she was a forty five year old woman in a ten year old body (laughs) in a ten year old body. (laughs) Also in that last episode, Carolyn shared the history of Dynamite Magazine, where it came from, all that kind of stuff. If you want to get that full story, you can go back and listen to episode twenty two. But right now, Carolyn, can you just give us a quick recap of what Dynamite is and where it came from? Sure, I would be happy to. So Dynamite, as we have said before, came to us from our friends at Scholastic. And we have Jeanette Kahn to thank for the creation of Dynamite. She was the founder, but she only did a few issues, you guys. And you know what I found out for this episode? What? The reason she only edited four, the first four issues of Dynamite is because when it came to negotiating her salary and her pay for this, she um, originally was asking for 4% of sales as her royalties, which was what all the Scholastic book authors received. And they said, no, that would be way too much money for you. And that was the end of Jeanette editing Dynamite Magazine. Yes. Wow. Do you remember? You guys don't remember who came in next? Mm-hmm. We it's have been, been Jane. like 120 episodes. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It was Jane Stein. Oh, oh right. Yes, Jane yes. Stein, wife the wife of, of R.L. Stein. That's right. Mm-hmm. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And she did a hundred and she edited hundred and four of the issues of Dynamite. So I wonder what she, her salary was. Good question. Mm-hmm. She was married to R.L. She was making she didn't money. Care, yeah. Although I don't know if he was was he doing no, goosebumps at the time? No, I don't think he so. wasn't mm-hmm. goosebumpy yet. And I think he did some writing for um for Dynamite magazine. It might have been some of kind oh, of the spooky little stories. The monstery oh, stuff. There was a lot of fiction in there. Yeah, I had forgotten yeah, there was. about that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you said, Kristen. I was in it for seeing who the stars were, like yeah. what the news mm-hmm. was in terms yeah. of who the celebrity was. If it was a fiction yeah. story about like I didn't care. You know, a ghost mm-hmm. horse or something. I wasn't gonna be reading. I didn't right. care about monsters. I didn't care yeah. about Count no. Morbida or whatever the name was. But you know, it makes a lot of sense because I would bet that the people, our listeners, and those of you listening right now, 
who are our listeners. <laughs> but I would bet our listeners also really remember getting their Dynamite magazine at the Scholastic Book Fair or yeah. with their book orders. I think, could you also get it delivered to your home or did yes, it? Martha yes, Martha did. For, right. Oh, that's, right. that's right. It's on the, I have Martha's mm-hmm. little um, cute Iowa address and she scratched it all out all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, you could see through it, but little Martha was probably like, I don't want anyone to know my address. She was practicing safety. Um, but I just remember how exciting it was. And I think we talk about this. Listeners, we do have an entire episode devoted to scholastic book fairs. And one of the things we talk about is how exciting it was to see that Dynamite magazine yeah. on your desk when you came in from recess. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and then I felt when we were looking through the collection that Martha shared with us, I got nipple lightning when I would mm-hmm. see some of those covers because I could picture them being on my desk when we came back from lunch and my teacher had put out all of our scholastic book fair orders on our <sighs> desk. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was Sean Casty and Chewbacca. And I was like, zing, zing out of my desk. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, because you were tr- immediately transported. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something about that cover though, isn't it? That rainbow font. Yes. And sadly, March of 1992 was when the last mm. issue of Dynamite was published. And we had on that cover, Julia Roberts and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we'll do this just like we did last time. Let's read some of the most significant passages that we unearthed mm. from our Dynamite magazines. Let's release our findings from this anthropological dig. I feel like we're scientists. Okay, so Carolyn, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, one of the fun things that I discovered as I was revisiting some of these Dynamite issues was oftentimes when a celebrity was getting interviewed, the interview kind of abruptly ends. And I want to read to you a couple of the endings of some of these interviews because it made me laugh a lot. Oh, so here we go. Okay. We, we have, we're interviewing Melissa Sue Anderson. The cover of this uh, issue is Little House on the Prairie, a big story. So this would be from a 1975 issue of Dynamite, and we're interviewing a lot of the cast. But we're, when we're talking to Melissa Sue Anderson, we find out that Missy, as the author refers to Melissa Sue Anderson, Missy couldn't spend too much more time talking to us. It was time to start filming again. In just a few minutes, Missy Anderson, a true 1975 kid, would be transformed into Mary Ingalls, a frontier girl of 100 years. Really, it's not that hard, she said as she ran off. You just say the lines. People are always running off is what I learned. So yes. we've got- um, <laughs> Running off. Yes, they're running off. Like, thank you. And they're <laughs> heading out. Much like Gary Coleman was doing in his interview, the very end of that reads, since it was a Saturday, Gary didn't have to rush off to work, but he wasn't about to slow down either. Finishing his breakfast, it was time for Gary to get going. We thanked him and said goodbye as he ran out the door to the local <laughs> model train store. Oh, <laughs> Oh, do a little shopping. <laughs> well, the funniest one to me was this um, from an article that's called Dynamite Dares, which I think was an ongoing feature where okay. Dynamite um, journalists would go and be do something kind of wild and crazy. And in this case, we're going to go for a ride with the Dukes from the Dukes of Hazard oh, In the General oh, Lee. Did they have to General jump Lee. in? Did they have well, to grab it and jump they in? They were about, that was what she was going there to learn how to do that. Oh my really? God. John was about to demonstrate exactly how he jumps into the car when he and Tom were called onto the set to film a fight scene for an oh. episode of Dukes of Hazard. Uh, they okay, had to they run away. Leave. Right. They had to run away. That happens all the away. time. They always. I, know. I just think it's funny that they're always running off to film. I do like, too. And bye think, now. Ta ta. Right. That's right. I've got to run. It's got to run. It's very urgent. Yes. <laughs> Just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born So my issue is from May of 1980 And I love this cover Benji oh, I mean, oh. this is so our generation it To is. see a cover of a magazine And you guys... I don't know. Is there an animal nowadays that is <laughs> as recognizable as no, the animals of our no, generation? No, you're right. I mean, I could show you this without, I could show anybody, any of our age mates, any of our listeners, this picture without this 
the the name down here, and you would know that this is Benji. We know it's Benji. Mm-hmm. Yes, or like Lassie, or yeah, yeah. we know. Yeah. Uh, so Benji's on the front. Benji's ho- Benji is Hollywood's top dog, and so of course, like anybody who's on the cover of Dynamite, the first article is "Oh Heavenly Benji." <laughs> it's all about Benji, but. What was more of note to me in this issue was this article called Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a short talk with a big man. (laughs) When you're over seven feet tall and you also happen to be one of the greatest basketball players in history, it's not that easy to disguise yourself. But in a new film called Airplane, the one and only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plays an airline co-pilot an airline co-pilot who is secretly Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar. Got that? Maybe we should add that Airplane is a comedy. (laughs) And I just love that. To me, that was also just so of the time. Yeah. And a few things. One, it made me laugh so hard just remembering the whole gag, the whole movie of how Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plays an airline co-pilot who is secretly Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar. And two, how much we, this movie is such a touchstone for our generation that we have to do Airplane Yeah, we do. Yes. Mm -hmm. We actually were um, picking up our girls from the airport the other night and we couldn't, we didn't know what door they were coming out of for um, baggage. (laughs) It's Thanksgiving week and the, the police officers were just making you go, go, go. So I had them on the phone and as we start (laughs) passing the doors, I was going, we're at 102. 103, 104. And I say to my husband, and they were like going, I know, we know we're at 116, but I couldn't, I couldn't let go of the gag. And I was going 105, 106. And my husband knew, just like you guys laughing, he knew exactly what I was referring to because it's as they're skidding past and you hear the the air, the air traffic controller. Flight whatever yeah. is arriving now at gate 13, 14. Flight 209, now arriving gate 8, gate 9, gate 10. My favorite part of Dynamite Magazine was always a section called What's the Word? Because it was just the short little Us Magazine, what's happening um, in Hollywood right now. And I thought this was really interesting in this issue. Um, It says, Hotline Hollywood. So you think you want to be in the movies? First, you'd better listen to Justin Henry, the young scene stealer whose first film was Kramer versus Kramer. Now, listeners, we have an episode coming up later this season on Kramer versus Kramer, where we definitely will be talking a lot about Justin Henry. But all the things we're going to say makes this statement oh, no. <laughs> very interesting. Acting is the pit, Justin says. Oh, my God. All that sitting around and waiting to shoot a scene is so boring that no kid could stand it for long. Besides, I didn't think Kramer versus Kramer was all that great. Oh my it was God. okay, but Jaws was better. <laughs> now, here's the no thing. Way. From all that we know about Justin Henry, and listeners, you'll find out, this was an, he got an Academy Award nomination yes, for as, this role. at eight years old. Uh-huh. He knocked it out of the park. But eight years old, this is a very real thing for him to have said. So <laughs> I don't like that movie. <laughs> I didn't, it's not good. Jaws was better because, right? Jaws was of course better. Jaws was better. In any other magazine, they would have gotten that quote from Justin Henry and they would have been like, uh, we can't print that. Right. Point. Let's get him to say something nice about this movie. And Dynamite's like, it's the pits. <laughs> but also that's what makes the sort of, Carolyn, like what you were just saying about the way they would write the articles, kind of like, I'm using quotes here to say mm-hmm. dumbed down for us, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to think that we needed anything to be dumbed down, but just made them more simple. I feel like this is a good example of them thinking, no, we're keeping that in. That's relatable to kids. It was totally relatable, because yes. I bet there were a lot of kids who were like, that's a dumb movie, right? Oh, Kristen sure. and, and mm-hmm. a handful of sixth graders were like, yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, as we will find in our Kramer versus Kramer episode coming up, there were kids who were really into this very adult movie, but there are probably a lot of kids who thought it was dumb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Not at all interesting. Well, and then this last thing I want to share, I loved stuff like this. This is called Report Cards of the Stars. So what Dynamite did is they took they took um, well-known stars and they made pretend report cards for them. And it was it's just so clever and fun. I would have been all over this in 1980. For instance, this report card comes from Ork Elementary report <laughs> card. Student's name is Mork. Mork. Teacher's name is Glorp. <laughs> um, and it has, these are the, the grades he got and the grades are called Schmetzels. And in the, the subject of Grimble, Mork gets a B 
Dwad, Mort gets a C plus. Advanced Clean, a C. Glebedol, Eck, a C. Farmful, a B minus. And then the teacher's comments are, Mort could be an excellent queen. Gweem. Mort could be an excellent queen if only he'd concentrate more on his blorkum and less on his schlimpel. Perhaps travel will help him learn to kvelter before he clorgs. Clorp. This is so, clearly my kind of humor because I'm really I trying this. not to laugh. Yeah. Christian's like peeing your pants, guys. I pee my pants. Uh, yes. Yeah, so some of the other, um, I don't have time to read them all, but some of the other uh, report cards are for Eric Estrada, Cheryl Teagues, and Sylvester Stallone. Oh my God. And I was all about funny. funny stuff like that. I love it. That just shows you how much of Mork and Mindy was about funny words. Just make yes. up funny words and the kids laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now do, now do. Oh, it's my turn. The issue that I would like to talk about first is my favorite issue of Dynamite Magazine of all time. It's the best cover that Dynamite ever had. And I had to go and buy it on eBay because it wasn't in Martha's collection. And all I can figure out is that Martha loved this issue so hard that it just disintegrated and it (laughs) didn't exist anymore. This is the 1978 issue featuring Sean Cassidy and Chewbacca. On the cover. And it says, top stars of the year. (laughs) Chewie Chewie and Sean Cassidy. And I swear, one of the biggest regrets of my life, I don't regret much. This is one regret that I have. When we interviewed Sean Cassidy, why didn't we ask him what it was like to work with Chewie? (laughs) Kristen, (laughs) I think that that is a Photoshopped picture. Shut your mouth right now. There's even there's even a there Chewie has his little arm around Sean Cassidy and you can see his little fuzzy hand on his shoulder. I know, but I think they they superimpose that on there too. I was stop talking. I was stop talking right now. Okay, (laughs) it's the best cover. Ever. It is a great. Yes, it's so yes. epic. It is so of the time. It is so of the moment. So, and I did learn something from this actually. So, did you guys ever in, in the article about Sean Cassidy? Because the two biggest stars of the year are Chewbacca and Sean Cassidy. So, the part about Sean Cassidy, I always wondered what the album title "Born Late" meant. Sean Cassidy's second album is called "Born Late," and I just was always curious. What does that mean? It was very intriguing. And so, in this article, I found out. Do you guys know what it is? Or do you, would you like me to just tell you? Just tell us. Okay. He was born late. I mean, that's... The I know. Time. He was. He was born late. He and was two weeks overdue. Th- right. We'll talk to Shirley Jones about that later. So um, a lot of the songs on Sean Cassidy's first two albums are cover songs from the 60s. His biggest hit, Do Do Run Run, is a song from the Ronettes. Um, do You Believe in Magic is from the Love and Spoonful in like 1965 or something. Morning Girls from the Neon Symphony orchestra oh, yeah. amusement park or whatever, <laughs> whatever the name of that band is be my baby right these are all classic songs from the 60s this is the music that he related to and loved when he was a child riding the bus to school in the morning and the bus driver would have the radio on he talks about how he was just a little boy he was five years old and he loves these songs so much he believes he was born late that that oh, yeah. was the music of his coming of age, but he was just a tiny little boy. He was born late. Oh. And so that's how he decided which of these songs were going on his album in the 70s. I love that. And the can more I just you also know. say, can you imagine little Sean Cassidy on a school bus? I know. <laughs> With like his feet sticking lunch, out. Yeah, maybe yes. a little lunchbox. Maybe it's a Partridge family lunchbox. Yes. Kicking his little feet back yeah. and forth as he listens to, you know, <laughs> doo-wops from the 60s. That is just so interesting to me. And in this article, he's what, 18 years old, 19 years old. And he sounds so grown up. In this article. He had to be. Right? Yeah. And he um, and he sounds like he's talking very seriously about these songs and what they meant to him. And it kind of correlates to the Sean Cassidy that we know now. He actually says that he's a lot more childlike now than he was when he was 18, 19 mm. years old. That he was so mature and he was so clear-eyed when he was that age. And now he's been able to let loose a little bit and he can, you know, play. Play more than he did when he was that age. Well, I um, found out a little scoop in one of my dynamites about him that 
I think dynamite might have like ultra scooped because I don't know that you could find this little fact out anywhere um, else besides dynamite. So this would have been from the August 1980 issue of dynamite, which has um, the Brady Bunch on the cover and it's TV's top reruns. So it's all about reruns in this issue. I wonder if you said 1980, it was like the Brady Bunch is yes, on the cover? No, so but it's, it's all about like those reruns we, we would watch. Yeah. And so it has, and that was an interesting article. But in the what's the word section, we have Sean Cassidy couldn't be happier about the turn his musical career is taking. Sean's newest album, comma, is their life after bubblegum, comma, is being produced what? by Todd Rundgren. I'm like, oh, is there life after, life after bubble, bubble gum? What? what is that about? I Googled, could not find anything. Anything about is there life after bubblegum? I honestly think this is maybe the only place that this is written. Yeah. Well, I think maybe they realized is there life after bubblegum isn't the greatest name for the album. And this was actually the Wasp album yeah. mm-hmm. that came out because Todd Rundgren did produce that album. And I think that they realized the whole is there life after bubblegum. Maybe it didn't too sound on, right. Too on the nose, I think. Well, right. A little too on the nose, and yeah. And then I'm wondering, too, the adult me is like, did they get that right? What Did the reporter or whatever, did they say something like, his next album is going to show that there is, you know, is there life after Bubblegum? Yeah. And then it has oh, this other name, but oopsie. they took it mm-hmm. literally. Um, so anyway, if it indeed was going to be named... If, is there life after bubblegum? I think Dynamite Magazine might be the only place where you can find that, that little is so interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's add that to our list. When we talk to ne- Sean Cassidy next time, mm-hmm. we're going to ask him, what was it like working with Chewbacca? And, <laughs> yes. and was the Wasp was originally wasp al- Was your Wasp album originally called Is There Life After Bubblegum? Okay, that's good stuff, Carolyn. Let's just take a quick break to dig into the PCPS mailbag, aka our reviews on Apple Podcasts, and share one of the great letters, aka online reviews, from one of our listeners. This one comes from Jets Fan, and she says, Listening to these three women who are all around my age is like being with my best girlfriends and reminiscing about all the things we loved in the 70s and 80s. I find myself cracking up and even sometimes tearing up but I know I will always have the best time. Wow, thank you so much. Not only does this make us feel great, but also leaving a review wherever you listen is one of the best ways that you can help other Gen Xers find the Pop Culture Preservation Society. If you've already left a review, thank you so much. You might hear yours on a future episode. And if you haven't left a review yet, well, we will just sit here waiting for you to do that. Ha ladies, yeah. <laughs> We'll just be waiting. Thanks so much. And now let's get back to our show. Okay, I'm going backwards a little bit to October of 1978. I'm going to show you the cover in a minute. I'm going to keep that secret for just a minute because it's our it's our feature. And I just want to tell you about a couple of the things in the magazine before I tell you about the feature. So when you open up the magazine, it has the official Dynamite Club report. And right away it says, Heinadai, Kleinadub, Meinadem, Beinadaders. That's high club members in the official club secret language, which clearly is a ripoff of Ubby Dubby from Zoom, I was just yes. but way harder and does not make sense. Heinadai. Kleinadub. Heinadai. Kleinadub. Meinadamabababers. It doesn't... I'm sorry. Well, wait, once again, Christian, you're looking down because you're reading it. Once again, just like when you spoke Abby Debbie so well in our Zoom episode, I'm dying with laughter. I wish you guys could see Carolyn's face. She's just like, I just don't know. She's just like, it. I don't understand what's happening right now. Okay, how does Heinadai translate to hi? Heinadai. It's too much. There shouldn't be a di- no, it's too much. They need to call the kids from that. Zoom and 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 figure out where what. Is, where's the key or the instructions on what this language is? Yeah, they don't even say. All they say is parentheses. That's high club members. Like you oh. kind of have to parse it out yourself. Heinadikleinadub, minadem binadubers, dumb. Okay, so then there's that, and then this is very very interesting. There's an article in the back called "Tune In to the New TV." And it's about how we're going to be watching TV in the future. And Mm. they have one very important um, piece of equipment here that it says that all of us will be owning in the future. 
it says they're talking about um, cable, HBO, something called a cube, blah, blah, blah. And it says cable gives you a lot of great things to choose from. And that means decisions, decisions, decisions. Then what happens when you want to watch two shows that are on at the same time? Or what happens if your teacher assigns you 225 pages of history homework for tomorrow and your favorite movie of all time happens to be on tonight? That's really one of life's little bummers. But have no fear. The videotape recorder is coming, otherwise known as the VTR. We're all going to have VTRs. The VTR. Wow. Don't you wonder, when did it become the VCR? Probably right around when Sean Cassidy's album became The Wasp. The Wasp, that's right. right. (laughs) No, it's just Wasp. It's not The Wasp. Oh, it's It's just Wasp. wasp. I don't want Sean Cassidy to hear this and go, well, clearly Carolyn did not listen to The Wasp. (laughs) The Wasp. Not any Wasp. It's The Wasp. The Wasp. Okay, sorry. Hotel Todd Rundgren. Oh, and that VTR is going to cost you about $1,000. Oh, oh, my, my God. It's not cheap. Also, yeah. what was $1,000 back then? I know. Like just $8,000? Probably about $10,000. I mean, seriously, nice. think about that. Whew. And it was probably like the size of a microwave. Oh, absolutely. Like it was huge. I remember renting a VCR and it oh, would yeah. be like my dad would have to carry it because we couldn't carry it. It was weight. It was like uh-huh. in a big box. Oh, it came in a big suitcase that looked yeah, like you like, were a spy. Right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a great memory that I was just who screwed by. Right. And then we would so rent a VCR at the, at the What if store? they didn't have it? Like no. at Blockbuster. They no. were, yes. They'd been all rented. Oh, yeah. It happened. It, it happened. You had of to plan ahead and make a reservation for your VCR. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And you get your big suitcase. Okay, so the cover, now I'm going to tell you, is um, it says, who's the greatest, the Bee Gees or the Beatles? Oh, and ask it, Martha Kunal. And it has, right? It has all of those little caricatures that Michelle was talking about, the cartoon celebrities of the Beatles and the Bee Gees. You should see Barry Gibbs' hair. It's just perfect. They must have had so was, much fun doing his hair. I was just about to say, but even yeah. drawn like that, Barry Gibb is still hot. He's still sexy. <laughs> Look at that. Even as a caricature, he's still sexy. Okay, so the cover story headline, who's the greatest? And then I'm going to read you just a little bit of it here. The Bee Gees versus the Beatles. Who's the greatest? Last March, an amazing thing happened in the world of pop music. Four of the top five records on the singles chart were written or sung by the Brothers Gibb, better known as the Bee Gees. Brother Andy Gibb held the top spot with a Barry Gibb song, I Just Want to Be Your Everything. Staying Alive was number two. Emotion, a song written by the Gibbs and performed by Samantha Sang, was number three. Night Fever, another Bee Gees smash, held the number five spot. To put the icing on the cake, the group's How Deep Is Your Love was number 10, and the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack had bumped Fleetwood Mac's Rumors LP out of the top spot on the album charts. Only one other group has even come close to this amazing track record, The Beatles. And that's where we get our comparison. So they say that most people on the music scene regard the Beatles as the best rock group. They call it a rock group Mm -hmm. of all time. And I'm like, wow, in 1978, they were already saying that. The Beatles had only been gone for eight years and they were already saying it was the greatest rock group of all time. But that the Bee Gees were starting to be compared to them. And one thing that might have helped that comparison besides their meteoric rise, um, was that the Bee Gees had, it had just been announced that the Bee Gees were going to star in a new ver- movie version of the Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's mm. Lonely Hearts Club Band. Right. I was going to say Broken Hearts Club Band. Um, so Dynamite wants to know, you know, is this legit? Is, is this a real comparison or is it a lot of hype? And then you get some serious journalism from Dynamite comparing the two bands. It's sort of like the Bee Gees documentary on HBO condensed into three quarters of a page, basically. Their conclusion, Dynamite's conclusion, this is a quote from them. They say, in the end, not even the chart-busting Bee Gees can compare with the Beatles. Ouch. And then they go on to say, while the Bee Gees have achieved spectacular success, most critics don't consider their talents a match for the Beatles. Owie. And they include actually some scathing reviews from music critics, including, see, this is the journalism part, including... They have always piggybacked their success on the shoulders of some more original and creative music. And the same person said that Staying Alive, he dismissed it as car radio summer candy store music. And that if I can't have you, they just said it was pop, pop music garbage. But 
Dynamite, because they're such good journalists, they also published Barry Gibbs' response. Barry Gibbs said, that critic implied that the 10 million Americans who'd bought the Saturday Night (laughs) Fever album were tasteless morons. And he said, we are proud of the album and proud to have been able to entertain so many people with our music. And Dynamite, they kind of, they hit back too. They say, hey, back off, dude. The Bee Gees deserve credit for keeping their career going for 20 years in times of great musical change. And in the end, who is the winner? You are the listeners. Oh. See? Dynamite, they had our back. I love it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of apples and oranges, though. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. – they're, they're so different. Like, I don't see how you have to – Put them to, against each other. Put Absolutely. Them each other. There's no way you can compare those two bands. And I know mm-hmm. that the Bee Gees were compared to the Beatles in the 60s. I think it's mostly sure, because yes. here, are, here are multiple men singing with British accents, mm-hmm. right? I think that's probably what it was. Um, but yeah, musical change was such that there's no way those apples could be compared to those oranges. No. And if you, in that documentary that uh, we talk about in like episode three or something early, uh, Back in the 60s, the Bee Gees were kind of using the Beatles' success mm-hmm. to kind of fuel them. Like, mm-hmm. well, look what they could do and and, and, and that was their modeling goal. themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, I think what you have to measure is the impact of each. Not who was greater, who was better. What is the impact of each? And then I think they're pretty close. Mm-hmm. Well, Kristen, I'm so glad that you shared that issue because I think my issue that I'm going to share with you guys might have been the very next one after, oh. after yours because – in the pass it on column, which is when uh, readers could send in letters, Robin Norris from Fulton, Maryland, she had a bone to pick with Dynamite. Oh, Just this is to gonna this. be good. Oh, yeah. Dear Dynamite, about your Beatles versus the Bee Gees article, everyone knows that there is absolutely no comparison between the Beatles and the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees were practically unheard of before Saturday Night Fever, and now they plan to push their luck by putting out the that absolutely sickening version of Sgt. Pepper. Oh, my God. They're giving the Beatles a bad name. But in the hearts of true Beatles fans, the Beatles will always be the winners. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Simmer Whoa. down now. Yes. <laughs> so let's hear how Dynamite replies. Yeah, you know, let's They didn't see. even have to put that. Le- they didn't have they to publish didn't. that letter. Mm-hmm. Dear Robin. I guess you're not a Bee Gees fan, (laughs) but there are plenty of folks out there who feel about the Bee Gees the way you feel about the Beatles. Thank you. A difference of opinion is healthy and fun. Right, Bee Gees fans? Are you going to take what Robin said lying down? (laughs) Oh, let's hear your side of the question. Oh my this god. Just got, oh. This just got dirty. It yes, was like yes. at first I was like, that is so great of dynamite. And I agree. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, hold on. Slow your roll, dynamite. Don't poke Slow the down. bear. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Instigating like these giant like rumbles between Beatles and Bee Gees. Oh my god, that is hilarious. <clears throat> oh, what kind of a rumble so would that be? Wouldn't that be fun to watch? And they have a to go rumble ah! between- <laughs> That's right. There's like the disco ones walking right. down towards the rumble. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of disco, I want to tell you about my issue. I think this was the first issue that I loved cover to cover. Okay. Ooh. We've got oh. Mork and Mindy oh, on yes. the cover. That's oh, such okay. a great And we need to do a Mork and Mindy yeah, episode. Yes. At some point. yes, yes, yes. So, of course, we get these great profiles um, one of Robin Williams and one of Pam Dauber. So, that was great. Those are like the first couple of pages. And then, oh my gosh, you guys, this was complete guide to having a special disco party okay <gasps> we get it all in here this was like a martha stewart living um issue of dynamite because, a disco party yes and we get it. it all discover disco dynamite okay you don't need a fancy place fancy clothes or a fancy face all you need to do it right is a little bit of disco dynamite <laughs> oh, okay so we are gonna run. have a disco party And anyone can do it. We're going to start with some decorations, you guys, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. And they tell us how to do it. My favorite decoration, you take strips of aluminum foil, like the (laughs) whole thing of aluminum foil. You tape it on the wall. That's not all, you guys. 
then you hang Christmas lights in front of that. So you get the reflection on the <laughs> aluminum foil of the Christmas lights. I, passion. I actually did that on Saturday Night Fever. That's I think we talked about maybe that's how they had decorated. Oh, I think that you're right. Club. Like that's mm-hmm. the actual set. Mm-hmm. Tin foil. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you're gonna get at your dazzling disco party that Dynamite is giving well, you all the instructions for. Make your moves. Yeah, so lots of instructions on things you can do to decorate for your party. So make your moves, do it right, get it on. You're going (laughs) to dance all night because you're going to play some games, okay? And they give you all these different games you can play, like the Too Cool to Boogie game, the Disco Fashion Fun Relay, where you get to run and then put on all these fun disco clothes, like they have a feather boa and some gloves. And then, you know, then you put them all on and then take them all off. And then the next person has to go. Oh, man. What is the Too Cool to Boogie game? The Too Cool to Boogie game. At this Dynamite Disco, everyone's cool. But there are times when being cool just isn't enough. Sometimes you've got to freeze. I'm freezing, everybody. Okay. <laughs> oh, like, what's happening right now? Why do I tell all your like... guests that it's time for them to get up and boogie? Any dance step will do at this disco spot, and no one has to worry. Basically, you play the music, everyone's dancing, then someone takes the, the needle off the record, freeze. Oh, my God. In your disco it's freeze dance. This, okay, yes, what year is this? Dance. Because this is this what is... we played at my Sean Cassidy birthday party. <gasps> this is oh. it. Oh, yeah, we did freeze dance like in music class all the time. This would be – this was maybe the January of 79. Would that sound right to you? No, mine would have been 77. Oh, you were ahead of the times. I just really – yeah, maybe Dynamite had heard about your party. Yeah. And they Mm -hmm. said, that is a fun – I'm sure they did. That is a fun game. We're going to do that. (laughs) All right, you guys. But, you know, we have to have refreshments. Yeah, what are we eating? we're going to have a party, Mm -hmm. we have to have fabulous fever-cooling foods. Lots of fun things. My favorite was the recipe for sham painless punch. Okay, so we have sham hyphen painless, P-A-I-N-L-E-S-S, punch. We've got all of the ingredients that you need, including two trays of fruit cocktail ice cubes. What? What? I guess you freeze fruit cocktail. Then you're going to dump those ice cubes. The little mealy cube Yes, I know. Gross. Um, Into that classic iconic Gen X punch. We all know yep. it. We yep. all love it. Mm-hmm. We've got a little bit of, you know, frozen lemonade, some ginger ale or 7-Up, uh-huh. and then we got the raspberry sherbet or yep. the orange sherbet. Ooh, we got yes. the sherbet. Oh, I love sherbet. raspberry sherbet. I never liked that um, punch, but it was everywhere. Like, you could not yeah, get it. Yeah, foamy on top. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the sherbet. Yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. A, foamy. Mm-hmm. It like was a just foamy bizarre. on top. Mm-hmm. Can you still get fruit cocktail? Is that a th- still a thing? Oh, I'm probably... I don't know. I'm looking. Well, I'd like to know if you can. Does anyone eat it? Like, if you go to the store and find it, check the date on the bottom of the can. And did you guys like the cherry? Like, you it was lucky if you got the cherry. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and all the fruit tasted the same. Yes, like the same. Next time you have a cocktail party, everybody, why don't you make some fruit cocktail ice cubes? Because here (laughs) you all have to do: just fill a divided ice cube tray. Ugh, remember those, the yes. metal ones. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds full with water. Then you just add a spoonful of the canned fruit cocktail to oh each cube and freeze. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a delight in your um, next drink to serve at your party? And I would have thought that was so grown up. Oh, for That's sure. That's sexy mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they have this great picture of everyone, um, you know, ladling it out of the classic punch bowl um, with their disco attire on at the party. Okay, but the refreshments don't stop there because you're going to have a cake, okay? But not just any cake because the back cover of this Dynamite magazine includes <gasps> your cake decorating kit. Oh. You are going to make the cake look like a record player. Record included, something that looks like a needle, and you are going to have the coolest disco record-breaking cake that you could imagine. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I just turned the page to my favorite part. Oh. (laughs) They, the people at Dynamite, created their very own unique, one-of-a-kind disco dance for the disco party. You guys, it's called The Spin. And I think they must have known that Carolyn was going to be having this issue at her home because they tell you step by step by step again how to do this dance. Like, 
take a step to the right. And that's picture one in my, um, in the instructions. Oh, they have pictures. Oh, yes. oh, yes. oh good. Oh, okay. cool. I'm a visual learner. And then the next picture, bring your feet together. Okay. Then step to the right. And it tells you what to do. It goes all the way through, okay? Are you going to demonstrate for us? I might have to. Yeah. And the best part, okay, we're just going to just take a moment here because I have to set up something for you guys. Okay. So hold oh, on. Oh, okay. Oh, this is going to be good. This is exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm expecting her to spend. <laughs> Sorry. There's no problems here. Okay. The best part is that is that it also came with a record inside. No. Yes. A like unique, a cereal box record? A like a, box yeah, a record. cardboard record? You guys, yes. Oh, right now. my God. All right. I have it. Here's what it looks like. <gasps> You're going to play it? I'm going to try. Oh my I've God. been trying all day. It's going on to my Fisher-Price little turntable well, record That's where player. you need to play it. Yeah. Right. Don't wreck, another, don't wreck a good needle. Yeah. And I don't want to um, play it without giving credit where credit is due. The music is by Victor Milrose. And the lyrics by Linda Williams Aber. Okay. Nice. Um, okay. So I wonder we're going to try. I if any of them are, are alive. I don't know. I mean, think I about that. I have my coins on top of my needle on here because okay. it wasn't really playing super well. So we're going to try, everybody. Okay. okay. We are going to just try. Here we go, friends. I love that sound. <laughs> oh, wait. Here we go. I hear something. Okay. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. Okay. <laughs> Needless to say, the cardboard record might not have. And obviously, to you guys, how many years is this? This is like oh, yeah. 50 years old. That's so 40 years old. Yeah. A 40 year old um, piece of cardboard you just played on your Fisher yes. Price record player. That's so cool. Let That's it be amazing. Known that Martha's. Um, issue did not include the record. I had to go on to eBay. So oh. I'm thinking that Martha might have had a disco party. That is so funny. That is the biggest. Dis- now, the, everything that I have after that is just like boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have in one of my issues, in the following issue, they actually have people who wrote in who had their disco party oh and they had goodness. pictures oh. from their disco <gasps> parties. Yes. They do? Yes. Okay. Give me a minute. I'm going to see if I can find it. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I found it, you guys. Okay. The next issue. And here they are in the psst, pass it on area. Yeah. Here are all the people who had disco parties. <gasps> they sent in photos. Oh, my, oh my god! Look at, there they are with There's their costumes. The yep, the aluminum foil on the wall. They're there doing yes. the disco fashion relay. Yes. Right? <laughs> there's the food. Can you look and see if... There's the punch. There's, there's punch, the punch. And there's the record cake. There's the record cake. And they have, are those Dixie cups? I think they have little Dixie cups out. I think they do too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So people had fun. Oh, I'm so glad people did the party. That's so great. I know, they did it. They did it. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Next, we have a surprise for you. Little Martha is back. Yay! Our dynamite benefactor is back in adult form for another round of <laughs> Can You Remember How Little Martha Answered These Dynamite Quizzes? As you know, Martha's history was left behind on these pages, and we had so much fun with her last time. There was no way that we were not going to have her back. Martha, welcome back to the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Thank you. <laughs> okay, the first one, the first quiz that I would like to ask you about comes from the August 1981 issue of Dynamite, and it's a special collector's issue. It's all about bummers. The whole thing was about uh, bummers. And you wrote on the cover of this in, in ballpoint pen, Martha's, keep your hands off. <laughs> and then just to reiterate, you wrote right here, hands off. <laughs> Let's remind our listeners. Uh, yeah. 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 I was just about to say, Martha, remind our listeners um, how many siblings you have and where Brilliant. you fit in. Two older brothers. Oh, there you go. Always getting into our dynamites. Okay. So the first thing that we have here is not really a quiz, but we're going to turn it into a quiz. In the back of this dynamite, there is a, um, a feature called practice shelf hypnosis. Shelf hypnosis. hypnosis. And what this is, it's really a scholastic book order form. They're trying to disguise (laughs) a book order form 
as like a little article. Um, okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it for you here. It says dynamite books are 100% dynamite, and at these special low prices, dynamite books are also a 100% dynamite bargain. <laughs> to order, just check the boxes next to the books you want. Print your name and address on the coupon below. Tear out this page and send it along with a check or money order. You could use a money order if you wanted. And you filled out the whole thing. You got the whole, you filled out your name and your address and everything. You did not send it in. So maybe you didn't get a money order. could get that money order, Martha. get that money order. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some of the books. And I want you to see if you can remember which one you wanted to order. Oh, okay. that's a good okay. game. Okay, so the first one is called The Dynamite People Book. And this is what it's about. All the people kids care about from A to Z. Christy McNichol, Judy Bloom, Darth Vader, Andy Gibb, John Travolta, and more. That was $2.95. I want that okay. one. Yeah. I know, right? The second one is called The Officially Official Dynamite Club Handbook. Everything you need to start your own club includes stationery, stickers, membership cards, and a giant poster. That's also $2.95. The next one is called Good Vibrations. Straight talk and solid advice on feelings, problems, fears, based on Dr. Kernberg's letters from kids. That one's only 95 cents. That's a bargain. Okay, which one do you think little Martha wanted to order? I think the Dynamite Club. I probably wanted to start my own club in the sticker. The officially official Dynamite Club handbook? I think so. Is that your final answer? Yes, that is my final answer. No, that is wrong. Oh, but wait. Oh, I'm going to chime in. Guess what? What? I also have a shelf hypnosis one in mine. Oh, you do? Yes. And so she probably didn't want a double order because you did in my order the officially official Dynamite Club handbook. No way. No way. But again, you didn't send it in. So now I'm wondering, did you ever start an official Dynamite Club in Preston, Iowa? Probably in my own mind, but no, I'm sure I I wasn't allowed to send any money. (laughs) Oh, see, that's always the, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't put like quarters in the envelope. That didn't work. Yeah. You and your stuffed animals had a little dynamite club. Okay. That's so interesting, Carolyn. I'm so glad that you have that second one. But in this issue, in the all about bummers issue, the one that you wanted was good vibration. She wanted straight talk. Oh, she did? So you really wanted Martha, that book. you really needed some help and advice <laughs> on your feelings. Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Dr. Kernberg, was she there or he there for you? Because you didn't send it in. I didn't. And look where I am now. I could have had such a better life. <laughs> if you had only gotten that book for 95 cents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. So this one comes from the May 1980 Dynamite um, issue that I already talked about that has Benji, the dog, on the cover. Benji, Hollywood's top dog. And on the back is... um, There is a tune-in to a Dynamite prize. Basically... um, Dynamite is offering you a prize you can really turn on to. We have five super Panasonic AM, FM transistor radios. Nice. With a big antenna on it. To enter the contest, you just have to fill out the questionnaire below and send it to Dynamite. Be very honest, it says, when you answer these questions. You won't hurt our feelings. Just make sure you get your questionnaire in before June 30th, 1980. Martha... You did not send it in. <laughs> and I'm afraid that the, the deadline has already passed for you to win for you to win the Panasonic AM FM transistor radio. But I'd like for you to see if you know um, what you said. Who would you like to read about in Dynamite? You would like to read about Barry Manilow. Yeah. <laughs> and who would you like to see on the cover of Dynamite? Who do you think you picked? Was it Barry Manilow? Barry Manilow. Oh, <laughs> he would have been face. great. You were very, I know, I was kind of surprised. You were very into Barry Manilow. And then there was a little, um, this is the perfect opportunity for you to let Dynamite know exactly how you feel. I have another funny little one here. It's another one of these um, question and answers, what's your favorite TV show? This one, this one is from March 1982. Now you're older. You're not writing in cursive anymore, but you're (laughs) writing in really fat, like bubbly printing. I think you're now experimenting with like 
you know, your E's and your A's. Were there circles can, over the eyes? Like yeah, we were can, really into something there. We were we were all practicing the same thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, do you think in 1982 you might know what your three favorite TV shows are? I'm trying to think. Greatest American Hero. When was that on? Because that okay, so that's one that comes to mind. I don't know, might still be like in the love boat thing, because mm-hmm. I you know, and how inappropriate for small children can I just say? <laughs> all the things we weren't allowed to watch, and we could watch the love boat. Okay, we could watch the love boat. boat. Yeah, all that. There's a lot of making love. Oh my well, your three favorite TV shows in 1982 were Bosom Buddies. Oh, good yes. show. Yes, for yes. sure. Benson, another good show. Oh, Benson. And this is so in in character for Martha. The Tonight Show. Yes, right. Because yes. <laughs> Bob Hope might be on. <laughs> and then, or George Burns, don't forget. Right, or George Burns. And then she had to do yeah, some little checks funny. by things like, do you listen to the radio? And not only does she check yes, she underlines it and puts an exclamation oh, point. Oh. When? In the morning or at night? And she ch- checks both and says, both. <laughs> do you have your own radio? She says yes, but she wants to make sure Dynamite knows that it's, and she writes in, an old one. <laughs> Martha, do you know what would have fixed that? If two years earlier, you would have actually sent oh, in yes. the oh, entry Martha. for the Panasonic AM radio. I had and my grandma's last- old radio. and Oh, and- you remember? Oh, yeah. And we listened to D93. And Kristen, like you talked about, we had the notebook with the top 40 and we would listen and write just like you write them all down. Got to record it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to write it down. That old radio. And oh, my like, God. Did you have a special pen and a special notebook? Yeah, it was just, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I have not found it, but maybe it still exists. Mine is in this house somewhere, I think. I really, I thought I knew where it was and I cannot find it. And I'm panicking because of all of the mementos, that's what I would like to see. My oh. little handwriting in my purple pen, writing down what the number one song was. <gasps> so I did the top 10. And then the last thing, I just think this, the way this question is worded is so 1982. What's your favorite coin-operated game? Oh, it's a <laughs> coin-operated game. Coin op- and Martha just writes, yuck, with an exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> I'm going to show you Martha's about that. handwriting now oh. so that you can see her handwriting. Oh. Isn't that so cute? That's oh. hilarious. I love – so are you left-handed, Martha? I am. Yeah, because all of your checks, whenever you have to check the oh, box, yes. are all Did you that opposite that? Like, way of oh, the check. Oh, are they backwards? Yeah, they are. They well. are indeed. And I should know because in my um, fun thing that Martha filled out, it was the do-it-yourself instant letter. Where um, they actually gave you some choices of what you could write if you were going to send this instant letter to a friend. Now, Martha, I want you to maybe try to remember in 19, hold on, let me get this here. In 1979, April of 1979, you are going to write to a friend and you wrote to who? Do you have any idea? It says, dear, well, actually, it said, dear somebody. But then you really crossed that out. I don't know who was there, but you crossed out that name and then put another name. So you had second oh, thoughts. Ouch. And I tried to hold it up to a light to see if I could see who you had written. I couldn't. It, you marked it so well out that I couldn't tell. So um, do you know who you might have written to? My cousin Andrew, maybe? No. You wrote to someone named Cindy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> the daughter of my dad's college roommate. Oh, Oh, how lucky Cindy was going to get. And I'll tell you some of the things you wanted Cindy to know. You did also dot the I in Cindy with a circle. I love that. Yes. So bonus points, little Martha. Yeah. But Martha, you just, you didn't like to make decisions, I guess, because I'm just going to tell you that you checked every single box that they gave you as an option for the letter. So I'm not going to read every single one, but I'm going to share a few. So the letter says, hi, how are you? I've been thinking of you a lot lately. And all the money you owe me. Thanks for your recent letter. It was three cents short in postage. Fink. What is what? Fink? Fink? It says fink. What does that mean? A fink is a jerk. Oh, you called yeah. Cindy a little jerk. I would have written sooner, but my close friends came first. Oh, my God. Wait, this is, wait, let, I she would did not generate this. That. This is fill in the blank, right? Well, she checked the box next to it. It said that, oh, and she checked the box. God. But she, in fairness, she, she checked never every mailed box. it. <laughs> oh, she oh, checked okay. every box, okay. and she didn't right. mail it either. So, yeah. right, <laughs> um, yeah, because you said you might not recognize me since we last got together. That's because 
I've gained 4,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a Mad Libs kind of. Yeah. Yes. They're yes. all kind of silly. Um, and then you must write again. Next time, may I suggest you not drool so much when you lick the stamp. Oh. Bye for now, Martha. <laughs> Martha, I want to remind you why you might have had a 45-year-old woman lit living inside of you during your dynamite years because we know you love Bob Hope and George Burns and the Tonight Show but you and you also loved as your favorite TV shows Quincy and the Rockford Files. <laughs> oh, yes, and I have in mind here that one of her favorite three shows was um was Quincy and oh. that her two favorite people that she wanted to see Robin Williams and Jack Klugman. Oh, you, <laughs> you really love Jack Klugman. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I didn't. No, your favorite starts. She didn't get Tiger Beat. Martha got, Martha got Reader's Digest. Her like, poster is Quincy in her room. Next to Sean Cassidy. Sean oh, Cassidy and yeah. Quincy. Oh, my, oh my God. I love it. That's so funny. Oh. And you did say when um, – in my quiz here, oh, okay. I should tell you that the quiz that I have here was um, it was a contest to get a skywriter. Do you know what a skywriter is? Yeah, I think so. Sounds familiar. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> well, are you acting like? Do you know what a skywriter is? Do you know what a skywriter is? Because I didn't. I was like, do you know oh, what you oh, wanted oh, to oh, get? I'm sorry. Okay. Do you know what it is? I didn't know what it was. I had to look yeah. it up. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. That it's like in the smoke and the yeah. sky. Oh, okay. Wait. Let's back up. Not a, not that kind of skywriter. She's not going to win a plane that makes words in the sky. Oh. <laughs> it's a toy. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to the first part of that, that she was going to win it. It's the contest. Well, I she was going to win someone riding by in a plane. I did too. No, Shoot. no. No, sorry. Maybe little Martha oh. thought that. Maybe she was like, "Cool, what would I write?" <laughs> and she didn't send it in because she found that it was no, this lame. No, she toy. didn't. She didn't send it in. Okay, so the Skywriter. Okay. I had to look it up. It looks kind of like a TV remote, and it's got buttons on it with letters instead of numbers, and then you can program a message into it, and then you whoosh it around like a lightsaber, and these LED lights will pop oh. up to show the message. Oh, I can picture <laughs> oh. that. Honestly, Whoa. I think it's super lame because I could I had trouble reading the message. I'm like, I can't, <laughs> stop moving it. I can't read it. <laughs> so that's what a skywriter is. And that's what you wanted to win. So it says dynamite is always looking for the newest and coolest things around. And skywriting is in. The electronic skywriter by Ideal is a fabulous way for 10 lucky dynamite readers to get their messages from here to there without pencil and paper. All you have to do is fill this in. And that's where you said that your favorite TV star was Jack Klugman. Um, <laughs> you also uh, said your two favorite music groups. You are consistent with John Denver. Yeah. John Denver yeah, was your too. favorite. Along with, there was one group that you wrote here. It was a group that you like. Oh, I'm sorry. This is November 1981. Mm. We've talked about this one before. Well, it's not the Bee Gees, is it? No. No. Don't remember. Because you're every woman in the oh. world to me. Air I love and Air Supply. Yes, yes. the tragic yes. story. Your last question in your Skywriter quiz that you did not set in, so you did not win it. Um, if you had the chance to make one wish and have it come true, what would you wish for? This, I mean, this is really pulling it out of thin air, so I'm putting you on the spot. So Boy. I could just tell you. World peace? I don't oh, know. Oh, no, Martha, you did not care about that. <laughs> <laughs> if you had just one oh, wish, no. your wish was, I would like to see John Denver in person. Oh. oh I know. Did you ever see him in person? My first concert. Mm -hmm. <gasps> oh, ding, 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 so ding, 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 ding. That just gave me nipple lightning. Like, <laughs> your dream came true. It, it came true. It did, because he was my dad. I mean, in terms of popular artists, he was the... Yeah, my dad loved John Denver. So that did you was, go with your dad? Yeah, and my mom and my sister. Yeah. Oh, that's <clears> lovely. In fact, I love that. You can cut this out, but the my dad had three things in his vehicles. He listened to John De cassettes, yeah. John Denver, any version of the Messiah, and Saint <laughs> Old Choir. 
<laughs> wow, but that really elevates John Denver. We know yes. Then yes. how high John Denver was in yes. his. Yeah. John and Denver going and the St. Olaf Choir. That's my <laughs> signal when I know my dad is with me. I hear random, randomly, and it, it's happened at some really freaky times, but I hear a John Denver song. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Martha, this was so fun. Thank you so much. So good to talk to you again. I know. Well, thank you so much. You are amazing women, and I just can't wait to see what you do next. So congratulations. Thank you, Martha. Ah, Thank you. That's nice. Thank you. We will look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you for the collection of Dynamite Magazine. (laughs) Always. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. The gift that will never stop giving. That's right. Just like last time, our last Dynamite episode, this episode of the PCPS is dedicated to Martha and all you Gen Xers who saved your pennies and counted the days until the next Scholastic Book Order arrived so you could get your beloved Dynamite magazine. Thanks for listening today and have a Dynamite day. Today's episode was brought to you by Colette, Kelly, Heather, Kevin, Kathy, Elizabeth, Jill, Christina, and Christine. These are just some of the Patreon members and one-time donors whose support makes this program possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to join them, you can just go to our website and click on the support tab. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of Chrissy, our favorite blonde, Janet, our favorite brunette, and Jack Tripper, our favorite pretend gay man. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. I mean, dynamite. (laughs) The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you.